Oh, here we go. Oh, here we go. The podcast that never needs spoiler alerts because it takes you back in time to relive the nostalgia of classic TV shows and films that you've probably already seen. I'm your host, Kiara, and each week I'll dive into the archives to bring you my take on movies and TV shows from at least 20 years ago. From cult classics to forgotten gems, I'll review them all and give my honest opinion on their impact and whether or not they still hold up today. Join me as we revisit the iconic characters, memorable moments, and timeless themes that made these shows and films so special. So take a break from adulting and get ready for a trip down memory lane with Sup Media Reviews. What's up, Home Slices? Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Sup Media Reviews. I'm Kiera, and I'm so excited to review the 1996 to 2004 cartoon television series, Hey Arnold, featuring characters like Arnold Shortman, Helga Pataki, and Gerald Johansson. Y'all, I freaking loved Nickelodeon growing up, okay? And Hey Arnold was one of my absolute favorite shows from that network. I'm so happy to be reviewing it today. But before we get into the meat and potatoes of this review, here are a few fun facts about the show. The city in which Arnold lives is a combination of Seattle, Brooklyn, and Portland. There are possible hints that the city is called Hillwood. For example, the Hillwood Medical Center or the Hillwood Zoo. This was the first animated series on Nickelodeon to use children as voice actors. And the last fun fact is that the series was originally supposed to end with three half hour episodes. These episodes eventually became Hey Arnold the Movie, which came out in 2002. So if you want to check out Hey Arnold, you can watch the full series on Paramount Plus as of the recording of this episode. So let's talk about my personal connection to Hey Arnold. First off, Arnold has the most amazing room, like one of my favorite rooms in probably any cartoon series that I have ever seen. He has a little bookshelf. He has like this cute little alarm clock. He has a bed and a room with a desk, like his room is spacious enough. And my favorite part, of course, is the freaking skylight. Like his room is amazing. One of the other things I really like about this show is it has one of the most diverse casts that I remember seeing at the time that this show came out. The whole crew of friends is like a multiracial crew of kids, as well as the adults, particularly the boarders that live in the home with Arnold, with, you know, his grandparents 
parents owned a boarding house and people would rent out their rooms to his grandfather. And those were diverse people as well. And so his best friend was like a super cool black kid and they had like their own handshake. It was really cute. And like I said, one of the most diverse cast that I had ever seen at the time. And another thing that really makes my connection to this show so special is that Arnold was like a normal kid who was living with his grandparents in a boarding house. And we learned later that his parents disappeared and, you know, his folks didn't have a lot of money. So they rented out their rooms to boarders and he was living with a bunch of people that he was not related to. And for whatever reason, I feel like I knew a lot of people who were like that growing up. There were a lot of kids that I knew who were being raised by their grandparents. I don't know if any of them were boarders or anything like that, but I just felt like... I spent a lot of time with my great grandparents. I wouldn't say that they raised me per se, but I felt like that was something special about this show is showing a child who's not being raised by their parents. Something about it comes across as like really realistic to me. And there was something like really kind of tragic and relatable about the setting of this show. I also really love that there are a lot of like jazz and artsy themes that show up in the show as well, which went over my, you know, six or seven year old head. But now rewatching it, I'm like, hmm, a lot of this stuff is actually like really artsy and jazzy and things that like maybe children wouldn't be into. But I thought that was super cool too. Like overall, I really love this show. And I feel like Arnold has a similar spirit like I do because Arnold is always the person who's like going out of his way to help people and he's really kind and he's kind of the most level-headed fourth grader I've ever <laughs> seen or heard of so for whatever reason that reminded me of myself maybe I'm just flattering myself but I'm super excited to dive into Hey Arnold today first I'm going to do a quick overview of the show and the main characters and then I'll do a deep dive into a few of my favorite episodes so because each Hey Arnold episode includes two 11 minute stories I'm only going to cover three of those 11 minute stories here back in the day cartoons had 11 minute short stories, two of them in like a single episode. My mind does time fly. Hey Arnold is a show about the everyday life of a kid with a football shaped head named Arnold Schwartman. Over the years, Arnold is voiced by multiple actors, including Torin Caldwell, Philip Van Dyke, who you might know from Halloween Town, and Spencer Klein. There is another actor who played his voice, but only in two episodes, so I left him out. Arnold is a fourth grader who's being raised by his grandparents in a multicultural boarding house, and the show chronicles his adventures with his friends at PS 118. Other notable characters include Helga Pataki, who's played by Francesca. Marie Smith. She is the school bully who secretly pines after Arnold. We have Gerald Johansson, who's played by Jamil Walker Smith, who is Arnold's best friend. And you all. So the guy who voices Gerald is so handsome. He's like a really good looking guy. And he has been in other things like as an adult. I saw him in an episode of Cold Case recently. And 
Y'all, he's just a beautiful man, okay? But anyways, we also have Grandpa, who is Arnold's grandfather and custodian, who is voiced by Dan Castellaneta. We have Grandma, aka Pookie, who's voiced by Tress McNeil, and she's a very wacky lady. And we also have a host of other kid characters who are, of course, recurring characters throughout the show because they are Arnold, Gerald, and Helga's classmates. So we have Sid, Stinky, Harold, Phoebe, Eugene, Rhonda, maybe some other people that I'm not remembering right away. Then there's a whole host of adults who live in his grandparents' boarding house, like Oscar, who is this horrible man, (laughs) and his wife, Susie. And then we also have Ernie and Mr. Hewen. So the main conflict of this show is really about Arnold's life in the super diverse neighborhood. There are themes that come up like not being raised by your biological parents, standing up for what's right in the community and being like a good member of your community. There's a lot to do with learning about how to be kind to people who are different. And it's really about navigating life in this concrete jungle with adults who are a lot of times less than nice and sometimes less than smart. Despite Arnold's own issues, his friends usually turn to him for help. And he's like the most super mature fourth grader that I've ever seen. So that's enough exposition. Let's talk about our first episode. So the first 11 minute episode we'll get into is from season one, episode three, entitled Stoop Kid. Now, whenever I talk about Hey Arnold, Stoop Kid is one of the episodes that people really remember fondly. And I'm not 100% sure why. It's the third episode in the first season. So it's fairly early in the history of the series. But for whatever reason, I feel like it really sticks out in people's mind. And that includes me. So when we start this episode, we see that the neighborhood kids are playing football in the street. And one of the kids yells car. And then they move for an oncoming vehicle. Y'all, That was so funny to me. I have not played in the street in a long time. I'm actually very afraid of being hit by a car like as a normal person should be. But back in the day when you're a kid, playing in the middle of the street is like one of those super fun things and having, you know, a two ton vehicle's coming down your way only makes it like a little bit more fun. (laughs) So to hear one of the kids yell car and then everybody just move so that the car can come through was just very funny to me. I don't know why I literally had to pause because I was cracking up. So Arnold is up and he has to kick the ball and the kids are taunting him because I guess he usually doesn't kick the ball far, but he decides to show them and he kicks the ball so far that unfortunately it lands on Stoop Kid's stoop. It's a legendary stoop and one of the kids makes this really adult reference He says, of all the stoops in the world, it had to land on his. And that's a reference to, I believe it's Lady Sings the Blues. I think that's a Billy Dee Williams reference. If you rewatch the show, you'll see there's a lot of references in here that we actually would never get as children. That it's like very clever now that I am watching it as an adult. 
So anyways, we hear like different accounts of why getting the ball back from Stoop Kids is Stoop is like impossible. But Gerald is the certified storyteller, okay? That's part of his job, part of what he does as a part of this childhood friend group. And he tells the story of what happened. Basically, Stoop Kid got left on the stoop as a baby. There's different versions of that story. Some people think he was abandoned by his mother. Other people think that he was dropped there by aliens but basically he raised himself on the stoop and over time he became meaner and started lashing out at people who would pass by because he had a loveless life no family no parents nobody to really take care of him and he just became mean and nasty and anybody who came near his stoop could get it okay So he became super territorial and Gerald, of course, gets a round of applause for telling this story. But Arnold's like, "Okay, you all are tripping. This is like an urban legend. I'm going to get this ball back. Right. So Arnold goes over to pick it up and the stoop kid is like, go ahead, pick it up. And stoop kid is like low key threatening him. He's like, go ahead, go ahead. Try to pick it up. Do it. (laughs) And Arnold's like, "Mm, maybe not. (laughs) And so Arnold starts staking out the stoop in a trash can trying to figure out when stoop kid is going to leave the stoop he feels like at some point stoop kid has to do something right like where's stoop kid using the bathroom like uh maybe he needs to go shower you know or something and we see that stoop kid actually performs all of his daily life activities on this stoop like literally so arnold actually falls asleep in the trash can that he's staking out and he stays there all night and we see stoop kid like literally harassing people as they walk past his stoop it's freaking horrible So Arnold is like, you know what? I'm about to take this ball because he won't chase me, right? Like he never leaves his stoop. So if I just take the ball real quick and run away, he's not going to chase me, which is an excellent plan. So Arnold takes the ball and Stoop Kid is like, oh, nobody touches my stoop, whatever. And then they finally realize that Stoop Kid is actually afraid to leave his stoop. And so Harold, who is like the chubby bully of the show, Harold is like, he starts making jokes and the stoop kid calls him tubby which is so funny to first off I'm a I'm a chubby kid I'm a chubby adult actually and hearing (laughs) hearing stoop kid call Harold tubby is still funny to me I don't know why that's so funny to me. Anyways, the whole crew starts taunting the stoop kid. They're touching his stoop. They're chanting about how he's afraid to leave the stoop. And it's loud enough for the whole neighborhood to hear. And next thing you know, the whole neighborhood knows that he's afraid to leave his stoop. And that's embarrassing. Stoop kid is like crying one day and he's like wailing in emotional agony while Arnold is walking past and... Arnold feels bad because basically because of Arnold's actions, they find out that he's actually afraid to leave the stoop. And so Arnold offers to help the stoop kid overcome his fear. So of course we have a little montage, right? Like a montage of Arnold doing things to try to get the stoop kid to leave his stoop. So some of those things include putting a blindfold on him so he'll just step off without really thinking about it, bribing him with ice cream, things along those lines to try to get him to leave that area. And so 
The next thing that Arnold tries is to show him a book that's filled with pictures of other stoops. He shows them a stoop in Rome. He shows them Aztec ruins. And Arnold's like, if you want to see the world, you just have to take this first step. And so now the whole neighborhood figures out that Stoop Kid is trying to not be afraid of walking off the stoop anymore. So the whole neighborhood starts selling t-shirts and the press comes out and people are cheering him on. And we're like, hey, you know, you can do it. You can step off the stoop and Stoop Kid literally in front of the whole neighborhood and in front of cameras and in front of the press or whatever takes a step off of his stoop and everyone is cheering. They're like super happy. And I'm like, this is of a stark contrast to what happened earlier because you all were basically taunting him and spreading the news about him having a mental health issue regarding leaving, <laughs> leaving his stoop. Which I guess is some type, I don't want to mess this up. It sounds like some weird version of agoraphobia because the, the soup is technically outside, but him not wanting to leave it. He has some type of weird mental anxiety about it, right? And they were kind of taunting and teasing him about it at first. And now the whole press is out and they are like, yes, you overcame this thing. Like you overcame this fear or whatever. And they are cheering him on. And I guess they just love to see somebody be victorious. They're, I feel like they're singing a different tune now. Okay, whatever. So... We come back and we see that Stoop Kid decides that he does not want to see the world. He does not want to see other Stoops. He just want to, he just wants to be able to harass people on and off his own Stoop. And he gets that opportunity when Harold, who hasn't gotten the news because Harold, I guess, was out of town. He like was walking with a suitcase and he didn't realize that Stoop Kid had his breakthrough. So Harold comes by and he litters on the Stoop with like a popsicle stick. And then Stoop Kid says, come here, fat boy. I'm going to roll you downtown. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I tell my husband that sometimes. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. I don't say, come here, fat boy. I usually say, I'm going to roll your fat behind downtown. <laughs> but it's just joking. It's it's jokes. It's like, if he doesn't do something that I want him to do, it's like, you better wash some dishes before I roll your fat behind downtown. <laughs> oh, okay, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Anyways, the stupid kid chases Harold and we don't really feel bad for Harold because he's one of the bullies of the show. And so he gets chased around, which is like a, a really big surprise to him because he didn't realize that the stoop kid was off his stoop now. So um, that's the end of the episode, whatever. So this episode sticks out to me as one of the more memorable ones, because when I was rewatching it a few years back, I was like, oh, I'm just rewatching Hey Arnold. My husband literally said to me, I'm going to roll you downtown. <laughs> and so... To, to me, uh, people really remember this particular episode. And I can't really tell you why. I think 
it's uh, it's hard to understand, but for me, it establishes Arnold as this like caring problem solver with a lot of maturity and a lot of compassion towards people. And we find that throughout the show, he continues helping people. And we'll talk more about one of those episodes later, but it makes us think about being kind to people who are different than us or who we view as problematic or mean. And it helps us realize that they have feelings too. And also in this particular episode highlights that like helping other people doesn't always turn out the way that we think it does. Because I think Arnold was hoping that Stoop Kid would go out and see the world. And Stoop Kid is like, no, I just want to be able to harass people wherever I want. So that's Stoop Kid, y'all. All right, so the next 11-minute episode I'll review is from season one, episode 16, entitled Olga Comes Home. So in this particular episode, we see that this story revolves around Helga and her sister. And one of the things that I really liked about Hey Arnold is that we get to see stories that are not just about Arnold, even though he's the you know title character of the show. And so we get to see more intimate details of other characters on the show, which is like always super fun. So in this particular episode, we get to dive into Helga's relationship with her older sister, Olga. So at the beginning of the show, we see that Olga Pataki is getting a bunch of accolades and she's like been named the hardest working and most successful student from the school. And Helga's teacher is singing Olga's praises. So Olga's going to be home for spring break and the teacher wants Helga to ask Olga to come visit them and talk about her amazing life and, and, you know, her amazing accomplishments. And there's an Olga shrine in the classroom and Olga is obviously the golden child. And so we see that Olga's family home is decorated with a bunch of trophies and ribbons from Olga. And, um, we see Olga comes home and we see we hear that Olga has like this really light, soft voice that increases the way we have like these like lofty feelings about her. Whereas Helga has like this deeper, how do I describe it? Like this deeper curtness or like rudeness or harshness to her voice. And so Olga comes in, of course, her parents dote on her. She's a pianist and Helga does not like how much attention Olga is getting. A guy calls to get, <laughs> a guy calls to get Olga's attention. And we see that he's, you know, saying like, you know, I saw her and I just wanted her to have my number X, Y, and Z. So she's not only getting attention because of like how smart she is or how talented she is. She's also getting male attention and this is just rubbing Helga the wrong way, okay? So Olga gets a letter from college. It is a report card and she gets all straight A's. Now I went to college in 2009 and we did not get report cards sent home, but this show came out in 1996. So if you went to college in 1996 and they sent you report cards, let me know because <laughs> report cards stopped when I was in 12th grade. So did colleges really send your grades home so your parents could see them? Jeez, like, I don't know why that sounds crazy to me. But anyways, Helga's little devious mind gets working. And so she starts doing a monologue about choosing between revenge against her sister or suffering in Olga's shadow. And of course she chooses revenge, right? 
So we switch to a dinner scene where Olga says that she's dating one guy in pre-med and one guy in pre-law and she can't choose. Now, this is the most unrealistic part of the show to me because I don't know that I would ever come home from college for spring break and tell my parents that I'm dating multiple guys. (laughs) I can't. I know we're supposed to be like seeing how much of a fun or great person she is or how much people desire to be around with her or how much people think she's beautiful, but I am not bragging to my parents about how many guys I'm dating. (laughs) That's a little too much. Okay. Anyways, So we hear that Olga has been getting straight A's since the third grade and she reads her report card all A's until she gets down to the last class, which is Elizabethan poetry, and she gets a B plus. Of course, she actually got an A in Elizabethan poetry, but Helga changed it to a B plus and Olga immediately falls apart. Okay. And Helga is eating it up. Olga is like, in bed. She's depressed. She's crying. Her self-vision is shattered. Okay. And Helga's dad is saying, it's not healthy. This is not healthy for our precious little golden child to be down and out like this. Okay. She's been like that for the whole day. Right. And (laughs) Helga and Olga's dad is named Bob. And (laughs) I can't remember Helga and Olga's mom's name, but she is like the saddest little housewife. (laughs) She's the saddest little housewife. And in later episodes, they hint that she might be an alcoholic. She always drinks smoothies and I think she might be putting something in them. But there's a scene where they're talking about how depressed Olga is And her dad is like, it's not healthy for her to mope around all day. And the mom is like, well, I do it. Like, I do that every day. (laughs) She's so unhappy. She's (laughs) She's so unhappy. It's not funny. But this is a fictional character, okay? Like, she put something else in those smoothies, (sighs) y'all. That's funny. I don't know why that's funny. And again, I'm telling you all, like, this show depicts real life. It's not a fantasy world. This is really about like day to day and life adventures and living in your big sister's shadow or living in the shadow of a child who is the golden child is actually a very real thing. And so that's one of the things I really like about the show. So Helga's dad is determined to undepress her with chocolates and Olga is like, I don't deserve those. Okay. I don't deserve chocolates. Okay. I'm just going to sit here and mope. So Helga takes them and she almost chokes on one, which is freaking hilarious. (laughs) It's one of those things where like somebody does something bad and then they get like a little bit of karma for it, but Helga just works through it and continues eating the chocolates. So Bob gets her address. She can't accept it. Helga takes it instead. Bob gets Olga some tickets to Broadway and Olga rejects them because she's in a sad and sorry condition, but Helga's up for it. And so she is loving it. Not only is her sister down and out and depressed because she got a B plus, she doesn't have to live in her sister's shadow and she gets all of these nice benefits that Olga keeps turning down because she is depressed, right? So Helga's eating it up. 
So it's the next day and Arnold and Helga are in the lunch line at school. And Arnold is like, you're in a really good mood today. And Helga's just like, you know, smiling and beaming. And Helga says, the catfish are jumping and the cotton is high. That is freaking hilarious. What fourth grader says that? <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, that is a line from the song Summertime, which is in the play Porgy and Bess. So I'm trying to figure out if the Broadway play that she went to see with her dad the previous night was poor GM Bess. And that's why she said that. But that was so funny to me. What fourth grader says the catfish are jumping and the cotton is high. <laughs> but you all should know that song. Fish are jumping and the cotton is high. Okay, that's the song. Anyways, Arnold calls Helga out because Helga admits that she changed her sister's grade, right? And Arnold says, I don't have any siblings. Like I always thought siblings relationships were really special. And he was saying like he wishes he had brothers or sisters. And Helga does this thing where she pines over him after he walks away. And she's like, oh, like I, I love the fact that you have morals and values, right? But I don't. <laughs> but of course she does her little monologue about how like, you know, this football headed dude the object of her affections and how you know he's basically just like too good for the world but that's almost the full extent of Arnold being in this particular episode and I love how even though it's called hey Arnold they decentered him and focused on Helga and even showed us some insight into her background as to like why she is the way she is so Helga is back at home and she wants to do activities with her parents, but her parents are so distraught over the fact that Olga is so distraught that they don't want to have anything to do with Helga. So Helga sees Olga crying and she's looking at her kind of longingly and she goes over to Olga's bedroom door and she closes it <laughs> for a moment and looked like Helga's conscience was getting to her and she was going to go talk to her sister. But no, she closed the door so she didn't have to hear her crying anymore. It was freaking hilarious. So she takes a nap or whatever, goes to sleep, and she ends up having a dream. And the visual theme of this dream is from the painting The Persistence of Memory by Salvador Dali. If you don't know it off of the title or the artist, it's like the weird painting that has like the melty looking clocks on them. And I'm like, mm, this is the highbrow for young kids, right? Like who's going to know the persistence of memory when they're a child watching Hey Arnold? Like as an adult, I can appreciate it, but this show's very artsy, right? It's crazy. Anyways. <laughs> so in this dream, Arnold has wings. He kind of looks like Cupid. He calls himself the angel of reason. And he tells Helga, like, you're not going to be able to leave this weird dream state until you do the right thing. Right. And so uh, Helga finally gets to the point where she wakes up and she, of course, has to tell her sister what happened. And Helga tells her, that she changed the grade because she was jealous. And she's like, I am going to accept my punishment like the bad child that I am or the bad child that my family thinks that I am. And Olga says to her, I'm not going to tell my parents. I'm not going to tell our parents what you did, even though I should. They don't need to know everything that goes on between us. And 
Olga says, like, being the golden child comes with pressure, right? They want me to perform like I'm a freaking wind-up doll. And she tells Helga, you're lucky that they don't even notice you. And they make plans to spend the day together. And it's like, this is, okay, okay. Fourth grade, how old are you? Fourth grade, you're 10-ish. So Helga's 10. Her sister is in her maybe first semester of college. So her sister's probably 18 or 19. So there's an eight year, about an eight year age difference. And Olga is actually quite mature herself. Olga's literally saying like the relationship that you and I have together doesn't really have anything to do with our parents, right? Like you did something bad to me. It made me feel bad about myself for a few days. And I know why you did it. And basically, I forgive you. And now let's start over from a good place and let's spend some time together. And Helga is open to that. And I'm like, this is really beautiful. Like, I have four sisters and I have my own personal or special relationship with each one of them. And I feel like in some ways I may have been treated like the golden child when it comes to my sisters. I was like really good in school. I was pretty well behaved. I don't know, but it's one of those things where like the glass appears half empty, but to somebody else's half full and getting insight into another person's perspective can really change the way that you see them. So I thought this was like a really sweet and kind of wonderful episode that could address things that like children who are watching might actually be dealing with. So this episode is memorable for me for like a few reasons, because we really get to focus on a character who's not Arnold. We get to learn about Helga's own struggles. And like I said, I identify with being the oldest child and having the pressure to be good at things. The pressure that I experience is more about being a good example or needing to help others. But I kind of identify with Olga. I was not big in the dating scene, but I did have like a lot of awards and certificates and things like that that I have won over the years. So I identify with her. My transition from high school to college was really difficult because I went from getting straight A's to having to actually study to get good grades. And that was actually very jarring for me. And so I identify with the idea of being like a straight A student or a really good student and then having that taken away from you and feeling like a part of your identity has been stolen from you. Part of your self vision is like not true anymore. And I can really identify with what Olga was dealing with, even though I never took it to the extent of like burying myself in my room in tissues <laughs> in tears. And like I said earlier, like the last thing that I take away from this episode is you never really know someone's perspective till you talk to them about it. And seeing Helga and Olga get past their issues without their parents intervening is like a good lesson for kids these days. Like your parents don't always have to know what's going on between you as brothers and sisters. It's really smart and important for kids to learn how to work out their issues for themselves because parents do not want to hear that. Okay. <laughs> and also your parents are not always going to be there right? Like at some point your siblings are going to be the closest thing to you and the thing that you have and want around you the most. And it's really good for you all to work out your own issues and not have to involve a third party. So 
Really great episode. Loved it. Love learning more about Helga and Olga, right? So that was that. So the final 11 minute episode that we're going to talk about is from season four, episode five, entitled Oscar Can't Read. This particular episode highlights Arnold's kind nature while simultaneously highlighting how crappy the adults in the show can be. One of the things that I noticed when I was rewatching this show a few years back is that the adults in this show are not good people. (laughs) They often are not good people. Usually they're like mean and nasty and selfish. And there really are only a few exceptions to that rule. I think grandma and grandpa are okay. I think Susie, who's Oscar's wife, is mostly okay. But overall, the adults in here are just really crappy. And that's part of one of the things that I feel like I had mentioned before about the president or CEO or like whoever the leader of Nickelodeon was. They wanted kids to be treated as people who were intelligent enough to know like the difference between right and wrong. And one of the ways that you can do that is by highlighting how silly or ridiculous or how mean or even how like abusive adults can be. And so they over-index on making these adults seem horrible. Like the ice cream man was horrible. A lot of the borders were very horrible and selfish. And in this episode, we see Oscar is the freaking worst, okay? (laughs) Like I cannot stand him throughout this show. So let's get into it, okay? We see Oscar Kakashka. They're having dinner. The whole boarding family has dinner together, which actually is like kind of sweet. Like they have their own kind of makeshift family. But Oscar is making this weird, annoying noise while he's eating. And grandpa is like, can you please stop? Okay, please stop. It was very annoying. So one of the other boarders, I believe his name is Ernie, asks for Oscar to pass the salt. And the salt and pepper shakers at this particular table look exactly alike. And Oscar ends up passing him the pepper instead of the salt. And Oscar kind of plays it off and ends up passing the salt eventually. But we see a few different things happen throughout this first little piece of the show. We see Oscar sign for a package and the signature is gibberish. So the delivery person asks him to spell his name. And Oscar's like, you see it there? And we take a look at it and it's literally just scribbles, right? And so grandpa is making a recipe that has onions in it. And he asks Oscar, hey, can you read me like what comes next on the recipe? And Oscar's like, oh, I can because the onions are messing with my eyes, whatever. And he runs upstairs. And then next we see that Oscar is trying to take an aspirin. And Arnold comes by and he's like, that's not a bottle of aspirin that's a bottle of scum remover for fish tanks and Oscar tries to come up with a quick excuse but like it's not working Oscar eventually admits that he cannot read to Arnold Oscar says I've made it this far in life without knowing how to read look at how successful I am and Arnold says you're a paper boy <laughs> it's, it's a little it's a little rude it's like it's a little mean But Oscar deserves it, okay? Oscar is not a good person, okay? Arnold tries to inspire Oscar and tells him, imagine all the other things, the new things that you can do when you learn how to read. 
you'll pass the salt when someone's asking for the salt, you'll be able to read a recipe. Like you can have a a fantastic life if you learn how to read. And uh, Oscar is content with being illiterate until the other adults overhear Arnold and Oscar talking. And they're like, dang, you can't read. And he's like, I bet you, you know, the two adults there are Mr. Ewan and Ernie, they're like, they collectively bet him $70 that he can't learn to read by the end of the month. So of course the money is a motivator. He had no interest in reading until they bet him that he couldn't read by the end of the month. So Arnold helps Oscar, right? He starts with the alphabet. He's doing flashcards. He brings him a spelling book, like a beginner spelling book from school. And he tells him like, you need to do this spelling book every day. Like you need to practice. And so Susie, his wife comes home with groceries and he says, you know, I was working so hard on my spelling book and because you left the fan on and a window open, it just blew out the window. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry about that, but I guess you'll just have to do it again. Right. And then he's like, well, my hand cramped up so much from doing it the first time. Could you do it? And so he basically cons his wife into doing his work for him. And again, he's a horrible freaking person. Like nobody can learn to read for you. Susie already knows how to read. Okay. (laughs) But anyways, Oscar figures out that I just want the $70. Okay. I want the $70 and I'm not interested in putting in the work to actually do the flashcards and actually learn how to read or whatever. So he decides that he's going to read the first page of A Tale of Two Cities to them. And he pays a kid who loves chocolate. I don't know if this kid has a name, but he does show up a bunch of times. There's a kid eating chocolate at like a bus stop or on a park bench or something. And he tells the kid, if you read this to me over and over again until I can memorize it, I'll give you all of the chocolate malt balls you want. And so the little kid rereads the page over and over again until Oscar memorize it. And then we switch the scene to where this man is basically putting on a costume or whatever so he can perform the first page of this book basically from memory, right? So he gets in front of the house, everyone in the house, and he's reading the book. And everybody's like, oh, you're doing such a great job. We're so proud of you. But the short guy, Ernie, is really suspicious. So he takes the book. He switches it for a book that looks identical. And he says, hey, can you read it for me one more time? And so he opens the book and he starts reciting his memorized A Tale of Two Cities. And Arnie is like, I freaking knew it. Okay, you don't know how to read. I switched the books while you weren't looking. And everybody realizes that he was lying. They found out that he cheated and they were super disappointed in him because like, hey, dude, you can't read. You're supposed to learn how to read. The money was supposed to be a motivator and you cheated. And we knew you couldn't do it. And you proved that you are what we thought you were. So he's out and about. He's walking around and he feels a lot of shame. And it doesn't come across that he feels this shame because he got caught. I think he really understood the depth of their disappointment in him. Learning to read is one of those like fundamental skills that we really take for granted. I cannot imagine growing up not knowing how to read. I don't ever want to really take that for granted. It's such a fundamental skill to everything 
that I do in life. Like basically everything that I do in life involves freaking reading. Like there are adults who cannot read or have a very limited understanding of words and reading. And I I just really don't ever want to take that for granted. But anyways, Oscar is walking around town. He's in despair. He feels really guilty. A child asks him for directions and he can't help them. And he just very upset and ashamed at himself. So Oscar returns to Arnold and he really earnestly asks for his help. Like, please help me again. I wasn't taking it seriously the first time, but I will now. And so this time we go through the same kind of exercises, the flashcards and stuff, but he actually does the work, right? And so... Arnold's like, I got to go to school. I don't have time to be fool aligned with you all day. Go to the library. It's full of books, right? And so Oscar is like, but those books are too hard, whatever, whatever. He starts trying to read something about a hypochondriac. <laughs> and of course, it's like a difficult word to read for a beginner reader. But he overhears that there's like a class of kids who are reading a book about petting cats, right? Like a very simple book that'll be more within his reading level. And he basically fights a little kid over reading privileges. But he feels good about himself because he actually read and understood this book about petting the kitty. So oh, that sounds funny saying it now. I'm gonna I'm gonna move on. <laughs> so we get to this point where Arnold is like, I'm gonna give you a final test, right? If you can pass this test, I know and you know that you can read, right? So Arnold blindfolds Oscar. Second time Arnold has blindfolded someone just in these few <laughs> episodes that we've reviewed, but okay. He blindfolds them. He takes him on multiple modes of transportation, including a subway and a bus. He drops this man off in an unknown part of town and he provides him with a map and reading directions. And he's like, if you can make it home with these directions, you know, that's fantastic. We'll know for sure. So Oscar has this challenge ahead of him, right? And is he going to be victorious? Okay. This man is reading these directions in the middle of the street. He not paying attention, almost gets hit by a car and causes a traffic jam. But anyways, he's figuring things out, right? Like the directions tell him you need to make a left on Madison. He's able to look up at the street sign and recognize, oh, this is Madison. So he's doing well when he starts off, right? And we see that back home, Ernie, the short guy who basically figured out that he was cheating, that Oscar was cheating at reading, does not believe that Oscar has learned how to read or that he will come home on his own. That at some point during the night, he's going to call and say, come pick me up because Ernie thinks he's going to fail. <laughs> and so... We see Oscar is still trying to follow the directions and he has to go to the subway and he actually makes a little mistake. And this mistake anybody could make because somebody named two towns in this area are basically the same freaking thing with just one letter changed. Okay, so the instructions say that he's supposed to go to Sheffing Town, but instead he didn't read the full sign and he goes to a place called Sheffing Stunt, which really is like a difference of a letter or two. It really is an honest mistake. And he ends up finding himself in this kind of abandoned lot, abandoned space. And he's like, mm, yeah, I failed. He's really down on himself and he sees a cat 
and he starts thinking about the book that he read at the library about petting the kitty. And so he picks up this cat and he's like, if I can read that book, I can read these street signs and I can get myself out of here. And so he takes the stray cat with him. Everybody's worried because it's getting really late. But right then Oscar comes home. He brings a new cat. Y'all, if y'all know anything about... Hey, Arnold, is that basically whenever he leaves the house, he has a bunch of pets that leave after him, including his pig Abner and like a whole host of cats and dogs. (laughs) So I guess this is a new cat to be a part of that crew of cats and dogs, whatever. And so grandpa says something kind of in the background, right? Everybody's kind of like really happy for Oscar and, and cheering for him. And they're really happy that he knows how to read again, super fundamental skill for life, right? But Grandpa says something in the background that I thought was hilarious and accurate. He says, well, I've seen everything except for a really good low calorie soft drink. (laughs) First off, what kid is going to understand what grandpa is saying, right? But then I totally agree. So I haven't really drank sodas outside of like any bubbly things that go in alcoholic beverages in a pretty long time time because I'm like on a diet or whatever and like and those things are so sugary and also like I have a hard time processing those bubbles like I get real burpy after a soda and it's to the point where it's uncomfortable so I'm just not a soda drinker anymore but I don't like diet sodas they don't taste the same that you can taste the aspartame or whatever it's called <laughs> like you can taste the sugar substitutes and it. it's not a good flavor I don't care for diet sodas or low calorie sodas or whatever so they're freak they suck okay so I agree with grandpa I haven't found a good low calorie soft drink ever either thanks grandpa and so at the end of the episode we see that Oscar keeps reading loudly and waking up the whole house reading the pet the kitty book (laughs) now he doesn't want to stop reading and so that's the end of the episode and I really enjoy this episode because it highlights how bad some of the adults can be in this episode but it also highlights how good of a person Arnold is like even though his efforts were kind of wasted Arnold gave Oscar a second chance and he taught him like his really important life skill and Arnold gave him a test and he passed and it's about how Arnold put his faith in someone and they came through and they learned a new life skill and even though they kind of didn't deserve it this man literally tricked his wife into doing his homework like there are other episodes that show Oscar in like a really negative light he's a pretty bad guy like low-key con man but Arnold definitely had some compassion for him, taught him a really important life skill. And I enjoyed this episode and it's one that I often remember because I think as a child, it didn't really dawn on me how an adult couldn't read. I think that was like something that I just assumed, right? All adults can read, like why the frick not? And it's just like, it's one more thing that makes me really appreciate the fact that I learned to read at a young age. So just another wholesome episode, you know. So what are my final thoughts about Hey Arnold? Does it hold up and is it worth a rewatch? In my opinion, I absolutely think that the show holds up and is worth a rewatch. Like I said, I rewatched the whole series about three years ago. 
And I actually really enjoyed it. There's something special about Hey Arnold that has this adult layer to it that you just will not understand unless you are an adult. There are, I would call them Easter eggs, but they're not Easter eggs. They're like integral parts of the show that really an adult who only knows is a little bit more cultured would really know or understand. It's hard to describe. Like how would a child know about a low calorie soft drink? (laughs) Like Or what would they know about the persistence of time or jazz music, right? If you are an adult who has a little time on their hands, is looking for something to watch or rewatch, I would definitely say watch Hey Arnold if you were into it as a kid. You'll see a lot of things that you did not see as a child. It's heartwarming, okay? I enjoyed watching these episodes and I think that they could really have some relevance for children today. I find that a lot of cartoons these days are very based in like fantasy kind of, but this show is based in reality. Like you are watching these children, these fourth graders with the adults in their lives live out their daily lives. And it's more relatable than watching Paw Patrol because dogs can't talk. Dog tell people, sure, but, (laughs) or like shows about superheroes or whatever. People don't have superpowers, right? Like there's something really nice and lovely about this show that's about regular people living in a regular town. It's really nice, okay? I think it could be relevant for kids today. And I don't think that they would have too many references in it because it's not the actual real world that would stop them from knowing what's going on, right? So they discuss issues like growing up with different family dynamics or making fun of people, illiteracy, and more. There are a lot of lessons about community involvement and standing up for what's right. And these are all lessons that kids need to know, right? Like these are everyday lessons for growing up. So I think kids these days could benefit from watching the show and I think that even with cartoons the way they are now, it would be nice to have them do like a little retro view of Hey Arnold. I think it would be cute, whatever. Okay, anyways. Overall, I really loved the show as a kid. I love rewatching it as an adult. And I remember the movie that came out really well because I had the Game Boy Advance game that went with the movie. My husband actually bought the game for me, like rebought the game for me a few years back for Christmas. So I actually have the game now. When I was an adult in 2017, I watched Hey Arnold, the jungle movie that wrapped up the whole series with like a beautiful bow. Arnold finally found his parents. We learned his last name, which is Shortman, which is the nickname that his (laughs) grandfather called him. And Helga finally showed him or told him how she really felt about him. And they end up kissing at the end of the movie. It's kind of cute. Okay. The movie was super entertaining. And even though I was like 27 years old when it came out, I was like, I need to see this. Okay. I need to know the secrets and the mysteries to where Arnold's parents went. Okay. And I need to see what happens when Helga reveals her true feelings to Arnold. And it didn't disappoint. I enjoyed it. It was great. Okay. So if you loved Hey Arnold the way I did, I would suggest checking out Hey Arnold, rewatching the series and watching the Hey Arnold Jungle movie. Okay. That wrapped everything up. So when it comes to reviews, Rotten Tomatoes gives the different seasons of Hey Arnold an audience score between 90 to 96%. And the critics actually gave the first season 100%. And I think they're right on the money with that. 
cartoons don't have to be all loud and crazy and super colorful to have an impact. There's beauty in the truth of everyday life as a fourth grader. And that's what I love about this show. Thanks so much for listening to my review of Hey Arnold. In the next episode, I'll do a review on Martin, the hit show featuring Martin Lawrence and Tisha Campbell. Peace out. Thanks for listening to Sub Media Reviews. I hope you enjoyed our trip down memory lane just as much as I did. If you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows you'd like me to review next, or if you just want to share your thoughts on today's episode, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Pinterest at Sub Media Reviews and on SubMediaReviews.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps me improve the show and spread the word to new listeners. So until next time, peace out, home slices.